Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Shalom. <laughs> Good morning, church. Yeah, since they, they say it's a proprietary like trademark now, so I'm going to use it a lot. All right. Okay, my name is Dennis Kozlov. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I speak with a little bit of an accent because I wasn't born here. But that's okay. I got here as soon as I could, so we're good. I'm, you don't know, I'm fighting a temptation to make a joke. <laughs> I overcame, no joke. <laughs> a lot of dynamics inside with a poker face outside. All right, guys. Uh, we continue our series of messages that we called Means of Grace. And basically, we're talking about the very, very basic things that Christians are known for practicing through the centuries. But we call them the means of grace because a lot of times people view Bible reading, people view prayer, people view all these wonderful things as, as a task, as a work to be done, as a, as, a, as a to-do list that you have to check through the day. And it just doesn't feel like life-giving. We, on the other hand, are trying to tell you that everything and anything that you're trying to intentionally practice as a Christian, is connected to the gospel, good news. And it flows out of the gospel. And what's flow out of the gospel into your life? Grace of God. Loving kindness, tender mercy, goodness of God. And here's what happens. We get a little bit of a taste of this goodness of God, and we want more. And these are the ways to get more, to increase your capacity to receive more. You know, America is a country of abundance, and some of them can testify about it. You know, that capacity can increase, and sometimes it's not a good thing. But with grace, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. All right, so uh, today I'm going to talk about prayer. And I want to, before I start talking to you about prayer, I want to tell you, like, obvious thing. Life happens to all people no matter what. Duh, Captain Obvious, right? Yeah, you can't stop life. You can't put it on pause. It just happens, good, bad, and ugly. And some of you are going through good right now, and some of you are going through ugly right now. So you can't really choose. It's not an option. But let me tell you something. Life-changing, personal speaking of God comes into lives of those who seek Him in prayer as a means of grace. I'm talking about prayer as a means of grace. Last week, we had a guest speaker, wonderful lady, Elena. How many of you enjoyed Elena speaking? And I was translating. That was wonderful. She challenged me. When I became a Christian, I immediately got this gift of speaking in tongues, and I began to practice. And it was my lifestyle. I didn't know any other... 
I would just start my day with this and it would run through my day. I would pray a lot. But over the years, I kind of developed this part of my personality so much that I have a hard time. So my wife gave me a, uh, how do you call it in English? Hourglass. So I don't like setting my timer on my phone because it has ability to, to take me to places. And before I know it, I'm somewhere else. So I use an hourglass for 15 minutes, so I put it just to pray in tongues. And it's so hard sometimes because your mind is so active, it wants to do stuff. And before I know it, I start fixing the, you know, the basement and stuff. And no, 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 I need to stop and just let the Spirit of God flow through me. Yes, by passing my mind, but it, it helps me to unplug, uncork me, so to speak. And this is an amazing gift. So guys, if you are like still doubting, still not sure, come talk to me, come talk to Neil. Paul said, I pray in tongues that most of you, more than most of you, and I wish you all do that. And it, it has tons of benefits. But today, I'm going to talk about a different kind of prayer. I'm going to talk about a prayer that actually engages your mind and engages your heart. And in fact, it changes your mind and it changes your heart. So the title of my message is Interactive Prayer. Yes, Interactive Prayer. You know, I like when I talk about anything to give a working definition. So what is the basic working definition of prayer? I was wondering as I was preparing. And as, as I was preparing, I was looking at different passages of the New Testament. And my attention was drawn to Matthew chapter 6. And I noticed an interesting thing. Jesus called prayer practicing your righteousness. He, he called prayer along with, with giving to the needy and with fasting. He, he called it when you, he said, when you pray, when you practice your righteousness. And I thought that's interesting. Righteousness is a position given to us giving us a legitimate right to approach God, to draw near to God. So prayer is actually practicing this thing. God has made you righteous in Christ Jesus. You can live like the rest of the world or you can draw near to God and interact with Him. And that's one of the main points of my message today, that practice, well, I mean, prayer has always been meant to be in interaction with God. It's an interactive prayer. So Matthew 6, 1, Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, in order to be noticed by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Remember in the beginning of the series we said that unlike the previous series when we were talking about what we practice together, connectedness, service, remember, the living in His body, this one is about you personally. When no one's watching, we're talking about these practices, this means of grace that you, that you practice when no one's watching. You're not doing it for other people. And Jesus said here that when you beware of practicing your righteousness. So prayer, I want you to see that prayer is to be practiced with an expectation, firm expectation to receive a tangible result. Good things directly from God when you pray. Jesus says there is a right way to do it. That is when no one's watching in your secret room. 
And there's a wrong way to do it when people are watching and you kind of know that they're watching and you kind of do it so that they would like pat you on the back, you got your reward. But Jesus said you can pray and you should pray in a way that you would receive something good from God as a result. Can I hear an amen to that? That's the biblical prayer. Interactive. So I called it interactive. I looked it up. The interactive, I looked up the definition. Interactive is a process of two-way communication or mutual action between at least two individuals. It involves active participation, engagement, or influence from both sides often facilitating dynamic exchanges or responses based on input received. Wow. That's what our prayer is supposed to be. Unfortunately, so many Christians, their experience, their prayer life as a writing a snail mail letter in 19th century to China. You kind of, you kind of hope that Somehow, I pray, I hope it will get there. And then maybe, just maybe, by the skin of your teeth, you will receive like months and months later some kind of response. Do you know that? I mean, I can't answer this question for you, but ask yourself, is, what, what is your life of prayer? What, what, what kind of prayers do you practice in your life as you, as you practice your righteousness? Is it a snail mail to China in 19th century? Or is it interactive, a process of two-way communication, mutual action between at least you and God. That's, so even in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, people were encouraged to interact with God through prayer and to expect God to respond. And I'm going to read a couple of passages uh, where Jesus speaks specifically about prayer. And again, it's, it's all in the light of the gospel. But here, I want you to understand, when Jesus speaks to his disciples... Or to other people around him. He's not speaking to new covenant believers yet. Do you understand that? The cross hasn't happened yet. The blood of Jesus hasn't been spilled yet for your sins. So they're still operating under the old covenant. But even then, under the old covenant, Jesus tells them that they are to pray in a way to receive from God. Amen? Are you getting anything? Am I reminding something good to you? I hope so. Okay, Luke 11, verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 9 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So that was a common practice. Rabbi had a disciples. Disciples would follow him, and Rabbi would teach them things about how he does things with God. And they saw, well, John taught his disciples how to pray. Well, we follow you, and you always, you know, go to pray, and we have no clue how you do it. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus begins to pray, and he says, well, he teaches them what we call Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm going to skip it. Then he gives them a parable of a, a persistent friend asking another friend for a piece of bread. And then he begins to tell them, kind of giving a summary. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. 
and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a, di for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? No father. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or if then, if you then, who are evil, what does he mean by that? He says, guys, your best action, your kindness act compared to the goodness of God is pure evil. <laughs> and he said, even then, you know how to love your kids and how to give good gifts to the kids. How come you don't trust that God is better than you as a good father? So when you come to God in prayer, expect to receive what you ask for. Hello. When you come to God in prayer and you're about to knock on the door, don't leave. Wait. Get the door open. Enter in. Seek and you shall receive. And he says, uh, he, he says uh, in, in, uh, emphatically, he says, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks gets the door open. Hello. That's about you in prayer. Are you still sending your mail through snail mail 19th century postal service to China? Don't do that. There's a place and time for you to enter into the presence of God and to begin to interact with Him. Expecting His goodness to manifest and pour out into you. Hey, hello. Uh, gosh, Dennis, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm so glad I, I know the gospel and I preach the gospel and said, you know, I'll be a good uh, fire and brimstone preacher. But God said, no, pal, you're not doing that. You're going to talk about how good I am. Man, he ruined my career. <laughs> anyway, so in Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 11, I'm not going to read it. He pretty much, oh, no, 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 let me finish reading it. Uh, so if he asks for a neck, he won't give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen. 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 So every time you pray to God, you ask God to give you His Holy Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit or any kind of manifestation of Holy Spirit, do not be scared, afraid that instead of good gift, He's going to give you a bad thing. And don't you dare to think that Satan is stronger than your loving father and somehow he's going to, you know, uh, uh, supplant God's hand and put something weird into your life. That's not faith. That's fear. Don't be, don't, don't live driven by fear. Live driven by trust to your loving father. Okay, so... In Matthew, I'm not going to read Matthew portion. It's, it's pretty much the same. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and it uh, you will find. And he keeps on doing. But at the end, it renders it a little differently. He doesn't speak about the Holy Spirit. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things, plural, 
will give good things to those who ask him. So that's the secret, guys. That's the secret of interactive prayer. We all come to God usually for goodies. We have needs. We have legitimate needs. We have shortages in life. And we want them to be filled with God. We want them to be supplied by God, right? Am I right or am I right? We, we want stuff and we need stuff. And we, we have all kinds of things going on. We have situations. We come to God to receive something as an answer to this specific need, right? Good gift. Good thing. But God says, when you come for a good thing, to receive a good thing from me, look to receive Holy Spirit first. That's how things change in our life. We receive the Holy Spirit. Right now, I, I, the secret of interaction with God is know that every time you enter in time and space that you call prayer, you step into it to be in touch with His Spirit, to be filled with His Spirit, to receive His Spirit. And how do you receive His Spirit? Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 63 says, It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The new covenant prayer is in an interactive practice of having a dialogue with God in which you speak to God directly and you receive His speaking to you directly. Do you believe in this? You know? An interesting thing, even Jewish people of the Old Covenant, they knew that when they begin to pray, they are to expect to see God's goodness manifested in their life. In your life, it's different. The Holy Spirit came to dwell in you now. So when you come to enter into this, when, when you come into the secret place of yours, place of prayer, time of prayer, you come with an expectation that you're going to speak to God and God is going to speak to you. I'm going to say it again. If you're a new covenant believer and you want to practice your righteousness in a form of prayer, you come into the presence of God with full expectation that it's not only you who will speak to God, but it's God who is going to speak to you. Do you really believe that? So the reality of the universe... Oh, let me read you a definition of dialogue. I'm full of definitions today. I googled them. A dialogue, a dialogue, because English is not my native language, so I have to double check, you know. A dialogue is a conversation or exchange of ideas, opinions, or information between two or more people. It involves an interactive communication where participants take turns speaking and listening, aiming to convey thoughts, understand perspectives, or resolve a topic or an issue through discussion. This 
makes me excited about talking to a human being even. Let alone to God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our calling in a practical way is to, to practice dialogues with God. To, to, to ask God questions and to receive His answers. So the reality of the universe is created, changed, and rearranged by the spoken word of God. Let me tell you something. The reality of your life is created, recreated, rearranged, and changed through God's word spoken to you personally. How many of you experience when you receive the word of God for you personally? Come on, don't be shy. So not many, well, some, some. Let me tell you something. If you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God moved in you, and He is a person who joined Himself to your person. He is live and active, and He is a speaking person. And He really, really wants to talk to you. It's just a matter of us understanding how to hear His voice. This is very, very important. And I understand that on, on one Sunday I cannot teach you and instruct you how to, how to posture yourself in a way that it comes easy. But we will, we will make it available to you guys. Right now I'm doing this online class for Russian-speaking people. About a few hundred Russian-speaking people from all over the world. I'm doing this online class. And basically I'm telling them the same thing that I'm telling you. But I'm doing it within a length of 10 weeks. <laughs> like once a week we're talking. And I'm teaching them how to understand when it's you talking within you, but when it's God talking within you. Because God is within you. And He's talking regularly. It's a matter of learning how to listen to Him. Okay. So as you begin to hear and see, you begin to hear and see. And you begin to hear and see something that the world cannot hear and see. And that's what sets you apart. That's how you become a beacon of hope to this world. It's a dark place. And I'm telling you, this world most likely is not going to become brighter. Most likely it's going to become darker. And the matter of learning how to hear God's voice in your life is no longer a luxury that some people can afford. It's a, it's a necessity of life right now. It's indispensable right now. Not just for you, but for your friends, for your unbelieving friends. They will be ho holding on to you and telling, how in the world do you get this peace and even joy in the middle of this mess? Well, I'll tell you how. I talk to God and God talks to me. And when He talks to me, His word spoken to me personally becomes the highest reality that keeps me steady and safe. That's what makes a difference. And I, I want to tell you, I gave this example before. I'm going to give it again. Uh, right before COVID. Remember COVID? <laughs> right before COVID. Neil and I, and Neil and I, we, had, we have been friends for, since we met in 2014. And we had this friendly conversation in a coffee shop. And Neil told me, Dennis, and his eyes had a light in them. And he said, Dennis, I feel God told me something. I said, what is it, Neil? He said, well, God told me, Neil, 
Your church has died, but that's okay because I'm going to give a resurrection to your church. And I looked at his eyes, and he said, and we were sitting, we were sitting at Scouts here in uh, Northridge. And, you know, it was a weird Ohio thing when, when one day it's snowing and the ne next day it's sunny and all the snow is gone. So there was this shady place. The shadow was falling, and right at the line where the sh shadow was uh, no more, there was snow on this side, and there was a green grass on the other. You know, Ohio, right? And he said, I feel like this. I feel like this. It was like this, and it's about to be like that. God told me that. And I looked at him and said, I believe that God told you that. And I'm going to hold on to your word too, because I saw the guy who heard from God, and he was determined to, to, to grab onto that and run with this. And I said, I'm running with you, dude. And then COVID happened. <laughs> what do you do? Well, you have a choice now. Do you run with the rest of the world that is screaming and yelling and panicking and doesn't know what to do and is afraid of everything? Or you hold on to the word that God spoke to you personally. Hello. Guys, that's what makes us different. We need to learn. And it, this is interactive prayer. You pray, you come to God to hear Him speak to you things. And you can bring, here's the good news, guys. You can bring anything to Him. Anything and everything. He's a big boy. He can take it. And he will talk to you about it. And he will give you word about it. And maybe not right away the whole thing. Maybe he'll give you a little bit today. And a little bit two days later. And a little bit three days later. And you, 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 you treat it like treasures. You treasure it in your heart. You write it down. You write it down. Your sharpest memory that you think is still duller than the, 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 the dullest pencil. Write it down. Okay. So why do so many Christians live like beneath even the Old Testament? Why so many Christians still send snail mail letters to China in 19th centuries and call it a prayer? Well, simple answer is this. Unbelief. Unbelief and doubt. We are professional doubters. It starts around the age of 12. And we grow this frontal lobe of ours that analyzes everything, takes everything apart, and tells, tells, to, tells you that nothing that you're talking about is, is possible. So what would happen if I would take my front lobe and tell Neil, Neil, you're crazy. That's not possible. Your church died, that's all right. I, I agree with that, amen to that. But how in the, and then COVID happens. Look, guys, we need to be aggressive in prayer to take this little thing and dethrone it. Dethrone it. Dethrone it. Become a child again and come to God as a child. That's why praying in tongues is important. It helps you to dethrone that thing. It bypasses that thing. And it stirs up your heart. And then you begin to able to, to open this flow of river of life that is within you. It's not in your brain. It's in your heart. It's in your spirit. And it needs to be released. I hope I'm speaking to some of you today. So James says... James points out to the same problem immediately. He says in chapter 1, 5 through 8, he says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, here it is, you realize you're a fool. You need wisdom. It's a great thing. You know, every time you say something stupid, 
and you realize it a few seconds later, that's your prayer. <laughs> if anyone here lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. Hello, it will be given to him. He says the same thing that Jesus said. Come to God. Here's how God gives. He gives generously and he gives without reproach. He doesn't come with a list of wrongdoings that you've done last week or last month. He just gives you what you ask for. He said, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. As all, most of us, most of the times. And we need to fight that thing. Do you understand that? So it's kind of cool to be smart pants and walk around and give analyses and judgment, judgments about everything. And if you sound smart, people begin to respect you for that. You have no good things of the Lord in your life. It takes humility to, to say, okay, I'm okay to, to be viewed as a fool by people. As long as you, God, speak to me and I can hear you and, and I can hold on to that and run with this in my life. So let us be fools for the Lord. I would rather be a fool for the Lord but have a reality of God in my life than be a smart pants, educated person who can argue anybody about everything and give all of my opinions on Facebook. <laughs> who cares? Your value doesn't come from your smart opinions on Facebook. Your, your container, your vessel to be filled with God is your content and life. To an extent that you can express it. And how do you get filled? Means of grace. You come to the Lord to be filled with the Spirit. How do you get filled with the Spirit? You bring whatever to Him and He speaks to you and you get filled with the Spirit. Amen? All right, so most of the times we don't believe it's real and it's available to us. We have this weird disease of self-deprecation and self-demeaning, stripping ourselves of any spiritual value as a beloved chosen man or a woman of God. We don't believe that good news, the gospel, is the good news for us personally. Say with me right now, the good news... Is the good news for me personally. God has forgiven my sins so that He can come and dwell in me. He lives in me and He speaks in me. And I will learn to hear His voice. I will respect and honor Him in me. I will listen and I will act upon it. Praise the Lord. That's, that's a good thing that we just did. So you see, when Jesus came, Jesus, at the pinnacle of his ministry, he has been doing miracles, rumors were spreading, people are gathering, and somehow he came back to his hometown. Remember the story, right? And in his hometown, here's what happened. Those of you who remember the story, he came to a synagogue, and he began to read from the Bible, and people began to register a little bit of a twinkle of a grace coming from him. 
and they begin to compare it to what they heard about him that happened in other cities. But then all of a sudden they turn on their front lobe and started analyzing the situation. And they said, no, 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 no. Let's connect the dots here. That's, that's uh, something's wrong here. It can't be. He can't be sent by God from heaven because we know who he is naturally. We know his mother. He's possibly a legitimate son. They began to put all these facts together and they killed the flow of grace in their own town. Do you know that that's exactly what we do in our own life? When we begin begin to be smart pants about ourselves when we don't honor and Jesus said specifically it says that he couldn't heal anybody there except for a few minor things like sinuses or something and he said he gave a conclusion to this whole story he said a prophet is never without an honor except in his own hometown familiarity breeds contempt you guys need to repent for having contempt to yourself because you don't believe God is real in you I'm talking about repentance here you need to say let's do it right now say with me father forgive me for not treating myself seriously Lord forgive me for having contempt toward myself Lord you said you chose me Lord you said you called me Lord you said you you forgave my sins and you decided to dwell in me I choose to honor your presence in me I choose to learn to listen to your voice within me please help me in Jesus name amen we pray a lot today oh we're practicing right away <laughs> so so that's the the opposite of faith right the opposite of childlike faith doubt reason uh, logic analysis analytical I'm not saying these are not of God I'm saying God gave your brain and brain has two sides do you know two two how do you call them hemispheres one is left and one is right though one is responsible for certain uh, functions another one responsible for different kind of functions so unfortunately when we grow beginning from age 12 we grow and grow and grow and grow and we become this one side person we become a computer that analyzes everything and we even in prayer we pray about something then we begin to exercise probability that's how probably God is going to answer this prayer baloney don't use your probabilities the Word of God very often comes as an answer to what and you begin to see what and you have no clue how that's okay that's exactly how God operates before you begin to see how he begin to show you what and you become a crazy dude you become a fool for Christ because you say well I don't care that my church died it's gonna be full of people and young people and kids and music and loud voices and a lot of fellowship and good things you're crazy old man <laughs> no I'm not I'm hearing God oh you're double crazy you're hearing God all right <laughs> we are called to hear God in our life in our prayer time all right so 
Guys, I pretty much released what I wanted to tell, what I wanted to stir up. And I understand that some of you will, like, you're excited and you're inspired. And most likely, like in, in the past, you'll try, you'll get discouraged, you'll give up. Don't. Just come to us. Uh, Neil and I, we talked. I, I think I'm going to make this class available. How to develop this ability to hear God and have dialogues with Him. The most powerful tool I'm going to present to you right now. Please do not dismiss it. Please do not neglect it. I brought this one. I brought this one here. This is my hard copy Bible. I often use it. I need glasses now. I'm growing old. And this is, so th th this is written word of God. And very often God uses it to speak to me and it becomes spoken word of God. And I write this down. I put a date on it. And often I ask God questions. I started doing that in 2011. I don't know. I probably have about dozens of these notepads. They're, they're filled. They're, they're replete with all kinds of writings in Russian, in English, with a date. God speaks to me, guys. And sometimes it's amazing what he does. If I wouldn't have, and sometimes I open them, I, I, re, uh, I, I return to them, I open them again, and I look my previous messages, and the, the ones that I uh, recorded, my entries of my conversations with God, and they still have this amazing power. Neil practices that. Guys, we urge you to start practicing your, your prayer life as an interactive dialogue with God, and to write down what you believe he speaks to you. Here's what prayer, two-way prayer journaling. I, I'm, we're calling it two-way prayer journaling. Two-way means it's not just you writing your thoughts and ideas. You take time and space honoring the spontaneous flow of thoughts, impressions, memories, whatever God brings to you. And you write them down without any You're not trying to evaluate it. This is what it does. Here's what happens to most people. Even if they believe God can speak to them, they, be, they come, they calm down. They begin to fix their eyes on Jesus. They ask their questions. Or they express their concerns. They begin to pray. And they, they tune up to the spontaneous flow of thoughts, ideas, impressions, memories. Anything and everything that God begins to draw your attention you write it down. You don't doubt it at that moment. That's what the journaling is so good because you put aside the time when you would analyze and evaluate it. It's a good thing to analyze and evaluate, but don't do it in the moment. Just let God speak to you. Write it down. Later, you will look at it and you will try to evaluate whether it was God or not. And also, it's a good thing to have some advisors in your life, like spiritual advisors, like people that you trust, spiritual people who know the Bible, who know the Holy Spirit, and you can check with them on a regular basis. Let me just give you an example of one of such entry. And the, the, just for you to understand, I don't have more time because I, I pretty much ran out of my time, but let me finish. Like, do you understand that your Bible is like pretty much a prayer journal of so many people from different centuries? Do you know that God, for some reason, loved books and words and writings? Do you know that? Do you notice that? Our God must be Jewish or something. You know? So in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, here's how Habakkuk describes this process. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see 
what he will say to me. And what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation. Write down the revelation. And make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with this. I was going to give you a few testimonies, but I'm not going to. I'll just give you one example from my answer that I just took down a few weeks ago. I sat down to pray. And I said, Lord, I need to calm down because my thoughts are all over the place. And you know, the secret is to calm down, to become peaceful, to enter into the shalom peace of God. And then you tune up to the spontaneity, to spontaneous flow of thoughts, impressions, and you begin to interact with God. You begin to ask God. And I started praying and I said, God, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for, for an hour of love. And I thank you. And I said, wait, what, what, did, what did I just say? What is the hour of, what the heck is hour of love? But because I honor spontaneous thoughts and impressions, I, I said, God, it must be from you. What is it? Explain it to me. Here's what he gave me. I said, Lord, my question to the Lord was this one. Lord, how can I express more honor, respect, and love to my wife, to my children, to my friends that you've given to me? And I began to pray, and this weird phrase came to mind, an hour of love. And I said, what is this? And the Lord began to say, talk to everyone individually. Don't, and I wrote it down. Don't just talk to them. Ask questions. Listen. Take a genuine interest in what's happening in their life, both internally and externally. Be ready to give your undivided attention to what this person is trying to tell you. Be prepared to do it for at least an hour. It's only 60 minutes. This is what the hour of love is. Be intentional in practicing honoring people you interact with. Take time to give undivided attention to an individual you are meeting with. Forget about all the other projects and all the other people for this time. Listen to this person and to God in this conversation. And listen to God within you about this conversation. Create this space and time of honor around this person. Do it to your wife, do it to your kids, do it to your friends, do it to your co-workers. Do you think God spoke to me? You know, if, if, if you learn to listen to God, your family life will get so much better. All areas of life will benefit because God wants to pour out His reality. So I hope I wasn't rambling too much and I'm going to invite are we doing communion right now? That's right. Yeah. So guys, this is my encouragement to you. Go to the store today. Marshall will do or anything else. Buy a new notepad if you're Amish like me. If you're a young person, create a folder on your iPhone or your iPad and give a title to that like Dialogues with God or just God and start practicing, okay? All right. Amen. I, I want to hear your testimonies. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace. 
and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this, or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.